Hey, everybody, and welcome back into the Halo 7 podcast with your host, Dominic Lorenz. And on this episode, we continue our off-season player-featured series. Now, first time around, we had AAA infielder Michael Stefanik, and this time, we get yet another infielder. He's 27 years old from St. Peter's, Missouri, and in his first full season in the Angels organization, he put together a terrific offensive campaign with the low-A Inland Empire 66ers and with the high-A Tri-City Dust Devils. Now, his journey to get to the Angels organization has been one heck of a ride, and we can't wait to get to know him a little bit better as a ball player. So let's welcome in Braxton Martinez into the Halo 7 podcast. Braxton, thanks for joining me today. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. We always like to go down to the farm and get some guys and kind of see baseball from a different perspective. And just looking up and down your history of the game of baseball, there's a lot to unpack. I think you've had a lot of experience, you know, for your young 27 age, even though in baseball years, some people said that's, you know, maybe past the curve a little bit, but you're just getting started. You're having a, a great career thus far. And for you being majority Inland Empire through most of the year, and then a quick little call up near the end to the Tri-City Dust Devils, the minor league season for you ended in the middle of September. So it's been about a month and a half since the season ended. What has that transition like from baseball for seven, eight months and then quickly cut off and now you're in the full off season mode? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, you, uh, when you're in the middle of the season, mostly towards the end of the season, you're kind of looking forward to the off season because everything's so hustle bustle, you know, you're so busy all the time. There's so many games, but then when you finally get to the off season, you're like, man, I wish I was back. You know, um, it's, it's slow. Um, it's relaxing, which is nice. Uh, you get to play, get to play some golf, you know, hang out with some friends. Um, for me, I just, uh, recently moved to California from Missouri with my fiance. Um, so that transition has been different. Um, but it's been exciting. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I gotta say, I miss it. I miss being at the field. Yeah. It, it's a grind, you know, to go through 140 plus game season in the minors and then it quickly gets cut off. At least right now, what is your off-season workouts like? I know it's, you know, we're still a couple of months away from spring training, but what's your routine right now, at least on the baseball side of things? Yeah, so for me, I actually just started up uh, back with my baseball stuff. So um, just started hitting yesterday, um, sort of on the lighter end, nothing too crazy. Uh, just trying to get the swing back. Uh, it's crazy, you know, you swing a bat every single day for seven or eight months, and then you pick it back up after taking a month or so off, and it feels like you've never done it. Um, so kind of shaking the rust off with that, uh, slowly getting the throwing arm back into shape. Uh, the main thing is just trying to balance the the workload at first, because every athlete can attest to this. As soon as you get back in there, you just want to go 100% as if you're in July. And you have to remind yourself, hey, you know, we have a long way to go. It'll be here before we know it, but you have a long way to go. So just try to ease your way into it before, you know, you don't want to blow the tires out before the race even starts. Yeah, absolutely. For any athlete, I feel patience and persistence are two things that sometimes don't go hand in hand because you know you can go 124-7, but you got to remind your mind and body that, hey, let's just slow into this. We got this. It's a, it, you know, baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. So you exactly. continue that mindset. So looking into the off season and what you did in 2021, before we get into everything you accomplished this year, I'm going to turn back the clock a little bit. And right after college for you at St. Louis, you don't get drafted. 
And I know that's probably a tough moment for you, for yourself and a lot of other players that don't get drafted. You had a unique way of continuing your baseball journey, and it was through independent ball of the Frontier League with the River City Rascals. How did you get into the independent circuit, and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, so like you said, it is a, it's a weird transition because obviously most college baseball players, their goal is to play professional baseball. Uh, not, not everybody, but I would say most. Um, so when you don't get that call by an affiliated organization, um, it's so, you know, it's, it's kind of hard because you, you want to feel for yourself a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we got to figure out what's next. Um, so I knew at that point, um, that I had to try to play indie, indie ball. Um, and the hard part about that is be, when your college season ends, usually around the end of May, indie ball, that season's already started. So they have their teams, they're already full go. Um, so basically you're trying to get on a team that's already been put together. Um, so I would say it took about a month. You know, I went to multiple tryouts, uh, open workouts um, with other teams in the Frontier League and nothing was coming about. Um, I remember going to a, a Cincinnati Reds like open workout thing uh, that wasn't a very high profile by any means. Um, but after that, I was almost at the point where I'm like, you know what, I don't. I don't see myself being able to get on a team at this point. Um, and then I got a random text from my college coach who said, Hey, you have a workout with the River City Rascals tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Be there. And I was like, Oh, perfect. Because for me, where I lived in Missouri, that was 15 minutes from my house. Um, so I was like, Okay, I'm going to make this team. I'm going to do everything I can to get on this team. And luckily, and unluckily, they had some injuries on their team. Uh, obviously, you never wish an injury upon somebody. Um, but they had some injuries on their team. They had recently had a guy get picked up by the Cubs. So they were looking for a corner infielder. Um, I showed up that morning, performed well enough and, and made that team. Yeah, it's a luck of the draw sometimes when players get to that situation where they're not drafting. They got to find plan B in the sense to keep their mm -hmm. skills up in that in that way. And benefit for you 15 minutes from home what's you know the commute is very easy at that point for you to play baseball right. when you like but you go to the river city rascals and looking at your stats from each year you were with them you continually and graduate got better and better and in 2019 you finished the year 275 average with 13 home runs 75 rbis and 24 doubles your team was the frontier league champs and you ended up being the runner-up for the mvp award so in 2019 what did that season mean after the journey that it took to be on the Rascals and to see your projections and trajectory just continuing to grow and grow and grow as each year went on? Yeah, no, it was definitely a good feeling uh, on a personal level. Um, like you said, like the stats got better every year. Um, I, like the 2016 year, I, I hit under 200, you know, and I was honestly surprised that I was even invited back to spring the next year. Um, and I felt like I would always do just enough to keep my head above water. Um, progressively got better each year. And I think a lot of that has to do with just being experienced. Um, once you, you know, you kind of get settled into pro ball a little bit, it's, you know, anybody can, can tell you it, it becomes a little more comfortable. Um, as far as the 2019 season goes, for me at the time, after that would have been my third year in indie ball, I was kind of using that as like my, my farewell. So I took a lot of pressure off myself. Um, I went into that season just being like, you know what, I'm going to have as much fun as I can. I'm going to enjoy this last ride. Um, and I think a lot of 
that mentality kind of paid to how I did on the field. Um, and obviously it was awesome because we ended up winning the championship um, and we won the championship in the last season for that organization because I ended up folding after that season. So that was cool. Um, so I kind of used that mentality of, hey, this, this could be any, any of these games could be my last game I ever play. And I feel like that took a lot of pressure off myself chasing numbers and trying to get picked up and do all that. I didn't care about that anymore. And it was more so just, hey, I'm going to go out and play like a little kid again. Yeah, it's all for the love of the game. And that's pretty much what baseball is. You know, it's national pastime. You all play it for the love of the game. It's, it's a kid sport and you guys are doing it as a career. But, you know, it probably is true to a certain extent where winning does cure all sometimes. You know, you can figure it about anything that happens when you're on a 5-10 game winning streak or you're winning a championship and you can forget about maybe some of the down years of your career, your journey. Now, in between your Frontier League experience, what popped up on the radar for me was a miniature stop in Mexico. And yeah. pardon, pardon me if I get the team name a little off here, the Pericos de Puebla. Is that how we pronounce yeah. it specifically? Yep. Okay. Yep, so my perfect. Spanish, so my Spanish is still pretty, <laughs> it's holding on from high school a little bit, but yeah. what, what was that like for you going down to Mexico for, for a little bit and, and playing with them and are players different there? You know, I don't want to say talent wise, but is ba how different is baseball in Mexico to maybe America a little bit? Um, it honestly, and I mean this in the best way possible, it feels like a different world on the baseball field and I, and that is that is like the highest compliment i can give because it's so much fun even when you're doing bad it's so much fun because the energy that those fans and the players bring to every single game is unmatched um it was a really cool experience for me um because i was younger at the time i was 23 or 24 um and i was playing with guys who had been playing pro ball since i was in high school um there was a lot of really good talent down there, a lot of really savvy players. Um, I got to play with some guys who had significant time in the big leagues here in the U.S. Um, so for me, it was, of course, you always wanted to do well personally, but I was just, I use it as a perfect opportunity to just pick everyone's brains. I learned so much down there about so many different aspects of baseball. Um, you think at any given point, in your life as a player, you kind of have seen it all, whatever you, you, you know, a lot. Um, and then when I got down there, I was like, Whoa, I don't even know this game. This is, <laughs> this is insane. Cause the talent level, the, the savviness that those guys had on the field was just incredible. Yeah. I think putting yourself maybe out of your comfort zone a little bit and going to Mexico and being honest with yourself and saying, Hey, I'm going to, like you said, pick everybody's brain and kind of learn and elevate my game from, from being there is just another testament to how strong you are mentally in this game with the journey that you had on going to that point. Now you have the frontier league, you go to Mexico. And at that point, you're still not picked up by a major league team until December of 2019, where the angels give you the call and sign you to a minor league contract. How did that all come about? Because maybe a guess would be maybe after four years, you're thinking maybe this won't happen. And then the oh, angels yeah. and the angels give you a break and kind of ease some sense in your mind. So how did the angels come about and what was your reaction to the angels? Yeah, no, it was a, it's a pretty wild story. So after the 2019 season, uh, like I said, I was, I was done. I was, uh, I was going to start my coaching career. So I was in talks with my college coach 
throughout my 2019 season to try to, because he has a ton of connections in the college baseball world. And he was um, trying to basically find me a job to start out as, as a coach. Um, and he was sending me a bunch of different um, job, uh, op- not offers, but uh, opportunities. And then finally he texted me and said, hey, man, our, our volunteer position's open here. I'd love to have you. And I was like, well, perfect. That's, that's home for me. Uh, I'm comfortable there. Uh, I know this. I know the coaching staff. Um, so yeah, let's do it. So I started off as a volunteer assistant at St. Louis University. As soon as my, two, I mean, the day after we won the championship, I was there at practice. Sorry, my my dog's barking. Hey, cut it out. Um, so I started off as a volunteer assistant. Um, I'm there. I'm I'm full go and in, into into the coach world in in my mind. Playing was it wasn't even a thought. Um, so I'm there for a couple of months. I actually end up getting hired on at a different school as the head assistant um, at a junior college just south of St. Louis. Um, I hadn't even technically started that job. I was going in the next morning to fill out some like HR paperwork. And um, so the night before, I am driving down to pick up my now fiance. It was like maybe our first date or second date. Um, so I'm going to pick her up and we're just going to go out. And I get a random call while I'm driving from an unknown number. So I don't answer it. Um, and they leave me a voicemail. So go back a couple of days, actually go back about a week. I was getting a ton of telemarketer calls, just like endless calls. But one of them left me a voicemail and I never checked it because I'm like, okay, I'm not listening to that. I don't need to know about the IRS calling me or some student loan thing that I need to pay. That's not real. But I noticed it was the same number calling me again that night. So I hang up or I, I go back and check the voicemail and it was a voicemail from Andrea LaPointe, who's now with the Dodgers. Um, she says, Hey, this is Andrea um, with the Los Angeles angels. And I, I end the voicemail. I was like, Oh, I got to call her back. But in my mind, I was coaching. So I'm like, Oh, maybe this is a coaching opportunity. I can get into pro ball. And I call her back and she's like, Hey, um, uh, we are actually calling to gauge your interest on playing next year. And I said, what? And she's like, yeah, we wanted to see if you wanted to, you know, play. Um, there's no official offer right now, but we're just kind of trying to gauge people's interests at this time. And I said, well, yeah, if there's ever an opportunity, I would love to. Um, so now my mind's going a hundred miles an hour. Um, so three weeks go by and I don't hear anything back. And I drop some of my fiance is actually from Southern California, Redondo Beach. Um, so it's around Christmas time. So I drop her off at the airport around 10 p.m. So it's late at night. And I'm driving back home. And it might, I'm having this thought that, okay, that was a cool thing that they thought about me to call me, but I don't think anything's going to happen. And at this point, I'm okay with that because I need to get my mind back to coaching because I was kind of one foot in, one foot out. I'm like, well, what if they call? What if they don't? And I'm not kidding you. Five seconds after that thought left my mind, Andrea calls me and says, hey, this is this is Andrea. We just want to officially offer you um, a contract for this coming spring. Are you, you know, is are you wanting to accept it? And I was like, yes. Do people not accept these? <laughs> she goes, well, you'd be, she's like, well, you'd be surprised. We've actually had people say no. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm in. So now I'm freaking out because it's almost 11 o'clock at night and I have to, you know, tell the school that I am supposed to be at an HR meeting at eight o'clock in the morning that, Hey, I'm not going to be there because I'm going to play again. 
Um, but luckily, you know, the guy that had hired me on at that junior college was a coach of mine in college. So we had a really good relationship and he was like, dude, that's awesome. You know, run with that opportunity. I'm so proud of you. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's how that came about. And then from there, it was like, okay, I gotta get back into shape because it's late December and spring's right around the corner. Geez. So all of that goes into a wild and wacky story. Now, Let's give your fiance a little credit. It's kind of funny how every time you were with her, the angels called you. So is she the reason why, you know, does she get some props for this? You know, it just happens to be that way. She definitely, she definitely takes some credit. She She takes some some credit. She takes some credit. Now you get, you get all the excitement in December of signing with the angels. And then unfortunately two, two and a half, three months later, COVID-19 pandemic hits kind of in a weird way, your hopes and dreams of a successful 2020 season are dashed when there's no minor league season. How did you stay mentally and physically prepared and healthy during this entire lockdown that we experienced last year? Uh, yeah, that was, that was wild. I, uh, I, so I reported down to spring uh, for the week before spring training was supposed to start because I wanted to get down there, get, get my feet wet a little bit. Um, so I was there for about five days and the first two days, you know, we're in Arizona, the weather's great. Everything's cool. We're getting some workouts in and then, you know, it's Arizona. It never rains. Of course, it just pours rain for three straight days. So they start canceling our workouts. And then that is when the full COVID pandemic thing happened and we get sent home. So nobody knows at that point what's going on. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go back home for two weeks and then we'll be back, whatever. Um, and then obviously you you know, we all know how the story goes, you know, we, the whole season gets canceled. Um, and then as everyone knows, like a lot of teams started releasing players. And in my mind, I was like, eh, well, I'll probably be one of them. Um, not thinking negatively about myself, but it was just the situation. I had never, I wasn't a part of the organization before, but you know, I survived those COVID cuts as, as a lot of people call them. Um, but as far as staying in shape, goes I really didn't um I didn't stay in good shape um I kind of like got really lazy and just was hanging out and playing golf and you know not doing much um which turned out to be a big blessing for me because then when I went into spring that year I was like 240 pounds um I wasn't as mobile as I wanted to be so after that summer happened and I kind of put on some bad weight it was like, okay, I need to really lock it in and focus here. So it kind of like kickstarted me into last off season where I turned up my off season training, my nutrition and everything. And then I went back into the 2021 spring at like 215 pounds in oh, wow. the best shape of my life. Um, so it was to answer the question, I didn't stay in shape, but it was <laughs> almost like a, uh, you know, a good motivator I guess or something that I could use to go into this past season in the best shape of my life now see this is what we get here at the Halo Tevin podcast true honesty from, minor, <laughs> from any type of baseball player like yeah you you could have just been like yeah I was in great shape I, I I soared through the pandemic no you're this is how it goes there's in anybody's baseball career there's going to be the peaks and valleys Mm -hmm. and that and that's a tough moment you know I think for anybody the pandemic really hit hard for a lot of people and for you it did but the tenacity you brought back into the play to get back to 215 pounds and in the best shape of your life for 2021 is kind of foreshadowing your 2021 season 
You have a terrific year at Low Inland Empire with the 66ers, 79 games, a 333 average, 445 on base percentage, over 1,000 OPS, 12 homers, 59 runs batted in, and 27 doubles. Now, I'm a numbers person. Halo's heaven fans are numbers people. What a terrific offensive display you put together at San Manuel Stadium and in the, well, what used to be known as the California League, but in Southern California. What worked for you here in, in California and at the low A level? Um, so for me, it was just the, the comfortability aspect that our, our coaching staff and the players had with each other. Um, you hear a lot about minor league baseball being, um, I mean, if I'm just being honest, you hear a lot of it being like selfish guys just looking out for their numbers, trying to get to that next level. So that and being an indie ball guy, that's what we always heard, right? Because we would always have guys from affiliated baseball get released and we'd be like, oh, hey, how is it? Because, you know, we're the guys on the outside looking in. So we're trying to be like, yo, how is it? How is it? Um, so we always heard that. And that is not at all what I experienced um, with the Angels at any level. Um, our coaching staff and our players this year, it was we really focused on winning. Um, and for me, that's how indie ball was, because that's all you had. There was no farm system. There was nothing. If you're there, you want to win. Um, so for me, it was like, it was very comfortable feeling. I never felt like, oh, I'm just out here trying to be a selfish player to get my numbers up and do this and that. Um, it was, we were trying to win baseball games. And that starts at the top with Perry all the way down. Like at every level, we were trying to win baseball games every single night. Now, obviously you want to do well personally. Of course, everybody does. Um, but I think for me, what helped a lot was our staff and our players all bought into that. And being at the low A level, I was the oldest guy in the league by far. And I'm playing with a lot of 20, 21, 19 year old guys who their energy levels are through the roof. And it reminded me of when I was in college and I was like, man, this is, you know, this is fun. Like the energy was always high. We could be down eight runs in the seventh inning and everybody was still up talking and trying to figure out a way to win. And so for me, it was, it was a lot of fun. It made it fun. It made it comfortable. And when you're having fun, you're, for the most part, you're going to do well personally on the field as far as your stats go. Absolutely. And I know for the 66ers, for the team in general, 2021 was one of their better seasons of recent years, you know, record-wise, just looking at it by the numbers. And then you mentioned you're 27. You're playing with kids 19, 20, 21 at the low A level. Does being an elder statesman, quote unquote, of minor league baseball, do you consider that an advantage? Because I know some people would say, oh, being 27 at low A is a disadvantage because this is a young kid's game. I think the opposite. I think it's an advantage because you can get a little wiser and you have more of a leadership quality, you know, for being that elder yeah. statesman. What do you take on being a 27 year old at the A at the A ball level? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, for me, it was, it was cool because I had where all these guys were in their career, their talent level at their age surpasses mine at that age by a landslide, right? I played with some extremely talented kids. Um, so it was cool for me to see where they were mentally because I, I had been there. I had been that age, whether I was in college or when I just started out in indie ball. And I know the the struggle the ups and downs that you go through playing pro ball like you're playing six games a week you're going you're, you're facing guys that are extremely talented every single night you're getting everybody's best shot every single night so it's hard it's really hard especially when you're first starting out um so for me I was able to 
I tried my best to always like put my arm around guys and be like, Hey, you know, you know, give advice when it was warranted. Um, and then as far as me, I definitely thought it was an advantage because I had been in situations that if I'm an offensive player, I've already been in this situation before. Maybe this pitcher hasn't. So I'm kind of like playing that chess match with them. Um, and I'm always trying to think one step ahead because for me, I was never in pro ball. I was never the, the best guy, the most athletic guy. So I had to use my brain. I had to use something to get better every single day. Um, so yeah, I definitely use it as an advantage. Um, and it was fun to kind of see guys that I would play with, like have their like aha moments throughout the season, because I know what that felt like feels like. And it's one of the best feelings you can have as a baseball player. Um, so yeah, it was cool. And I definitely, like you said, I definitely saw it as an advantage. Now, as you know, the older guy in the clubhouse, at least, you know, with the Inland Empire 66ers, because that's where you spent the majority of 2021. Mm -hmm. Was there any younger guys that you saw and just sat there and said, wow, I wish I had that talent or that part of my game when I was your age? Was there any, you know, prospects out there that you just were just in awe of maybe every day coming to the ballpark? Yeah, so for us with that team specifically, uh, a couple guys come to mind. One of them, Kyron Paris. Um, obviously, the talent, the physical talent, you can see that. And it, I mean, my mom can show up and be like, okay, that kid's got something. But his mentality, being a 19-year-old, I feel like he's my age when I talk to him. And I was like, every time I'm around the guy, I'm like, wow, this guy, he has the talent. A lot of guys have the talent, but the mentality is what takes you to that next level. Another guy, Jeremiah Jackson, same way. Talent, obviously you can see that. Watch him take batting practice and you'll, you'll be in awe. But his mentality is, you know, he's a younger guy too, but I feel like I'm talking to a 30-year-old sometimes when we're at the field. Um, and then there's other guys who bring like just insane energy. Deshaun Knowles, Edwin Yan, guys like that who are, I'm not kidding you, I feel like they're just drinking energy drinks all day, even though they're not. Like that's how high their energy is. And it's so cool to be around. And I look at different aspects of every player on that team. I'm like, wow, I wish I had that when I was this age or this when I was that age. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. I, I, that was probably my favorite part of it because I was able to see it and be like, wow, these kids are these kids are legit. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, anybody could come up to you and say, oh, your favorite part about, you know, being in the minors got to be, you know, you at the plate playing the game. You, you know, it's all about you. But then you bring this perspective of, yeah, it's great to be me in the sense and be in the box and, you know, hit a dinger here, RBI double, maybe a walk-off, but seeing other guys around me elevate their game and we're all elevating together and trying to go to the same place. That's where that team camaraderie comes in. I think that's where that leadership quality comes in as well. So already I can see a future of coaching in you already. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to see yeah. that already. Now, one thing about minor league baseball that a lot of people don't know about or you know, maybe it's not as shown in the media as much, but we did see it a lot this year. Um, and it's not the greatest, the greater side of baseball, but it has to be said for a lot of minor league guys, their living situation and the way that their relationship is with major league baseball is a little tense at this time. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we found out MLB will be providing housing for minor league guys this upcoming season and in the future. So what does that, as a 27-year-old as a traveling at least this year through California, North and Southern California, and then 
once you got promoted to high A Tri-City up in Washington and traveling through there, what does having housing for you when you're 24-7 focusing on baseball, it's one less worry, but what does MLB helping out with minor league baseball housing do for players like you and others? No, I mean, it's, it can't be understated, um, overstated. Um, sorry. It is such a stress relief for every single player in minor league baseball. Um, having a place to li- like stay without having to worry about finding a place, paying the money. Because, um, I mean, you live in Southern California. You know it's not cheap, right? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so, so when you get dropped off um, after spring training and you get three days to find a place to live, that's tough. Um, not only is it just tough in general to find a place to live, it's very stressful because now it's, okay, we got three days and then we have to find a place to live and opening days in four days. Um, and for me, I was a little less stressed because of my age. I, I was able you know, kind of be like, okay, well, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. But it was, I could tell it was really hard on the younger guys, especially the Latin American players who, you know, English is a second language to them. And then you drop them in Southern California where it's really expensive. And now they have to find a place to live. And then you're talking to people renting out spaces. And obviously they don't want to rent out a space for three, four months. They're trying to get you for a year, maybe six months if you're really lucky. So it's really hard to try to find somewhere to live. Um, so now the MLB is stepping in and, and covering that, that is just, it's monumental. I mean, it, it is just such a, it's a, just such a stretch, stress relief for everybody. Cause now you don't have to worry about that. Now it can be, I know where I'm going to be at night. I'm not bouncing around from Airbnb to Airbnb or hotel to hotel or calling up random places, um, trying to find a place to sleep at night. You know where you're going to be. You can focus a little more on baseball. And I feel like that is just, that's a huge, huge step for our game for sure. Yeah, and, you, and for you, you were one of the lucky ones. You played the majority of the year in Inland Empire, so you weren't one of those minor leaguers that was 10 games here, then got dropped back down, then got sent back up to Triple. You didn't have the merry-go-round ride, um, mm-hmm. as a lot of people call it. Now, I, I've worked in minor league baseball for three years. I was with the Lake Elsinore Storm and the Padres organization for a period of time, and I saw – I never experienced that living situation, but I saw guys one week they're with us, then they're going to El Paso, and then they're going to Double A back to us for two weeks, you know, they're just circling mm-hmm. around. I can't even imagine how trying to find a place like that in that player's scenario goes about, but I know it does take a sense of relief now that housing is going to be provided in some sense. And you can just focus about playing baseball and not all the 10,000 other things that may be going in your mind on any given day. Right. Yeah, I know it's, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you would see guys show up who just got called up from Arizona or maybe got sent down from Tri-Cities and they were walking into the clubhouse with their their luggage and you can see it on their face. They're like, well, this is great, but now now where am I going after this game? What's where next? Where do I go from here? Exactly. And we, you know, we had, like, you know, you read the ESPN reports. We had guys living in RVs. We had guys in hotels, like six guys in a hotel room. I mean, that's tough. Even if, even if you find a place, it's still, it's still tough when you got to sleep on the ground and then you got a double header the next day, or, or you got a hundred degree weather in San Bernardino that you got to go play, but I got to sleep on the floor. Yeah. Or the great bus rides from a day game to up to San Jose and back in back to back days in California. Right. 
But, you know, so hopefully that turns the right direction for minor leaguers. So it's good to get your take on that, especially, you know, as an old, as an older statesman, you know, elder statesman in this league in comparison to maybe some 19 year olds that maybe don't know any better, but you've seen it from, from different perspectives. Now let's get back moving forward and looking towards the future. 2022 season is going to be upon us soon. We're, we're in November now, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And then guess what? The next major holiday, spring training is here. Opening opening day is going to be here before you know it. And just looking at your stats and getting a feel for who you are, I can, I can say confidently with a, with health being on your side, because you know, what's the best ability availability. Mm -hmm. I can see you starting at at least double a rocket city next year. I think with the trajectory that you have and the stats that you put up and how strong you've been, offensively and defensively that could be a starting point for you to continue you know your rise here in the angels organization what are your expectations at least for 2022 moving forward um for me expectations wise um as far as a starting place goes like where i'll be at i'm not going to go in with any expectations i think any baseball player can tell you if you have expectations on where you're going to be and you don't get there, that's a tough blow to even start the season. And we haven't even played a game yet. Um, obviously I would like to start at the highest level I can. Um, I think this past season definitely helped me. Um, as far as, you know, me personally, like you said, being healthy, that's the best tool you can have is to stay on the field. If you're not on the field, you're not going to get promoted. You're not going to be able to do well. Um, for me, what I, my main focus this offseason is, is yes, I had a good statistic year last year, but not letting that get to my head. I've seen that a lot. Me, and it's happened to me before, back in college. I had a good year, you know, and then you start kind of being like, oh, I might not have to do that workout today, or I can take a day off here. I can do this here. And then they start to add up. And then before you know it, you've taken two steps back from where you were the year before. Um, so I'm treating this offseason as I, the way I like to look at training for, a season coming up is you, I don't know if it's the best way to word it, but you want to train like you're scared, not scared that like you're nervous or whatever, but you're scared that you want to use it as a tool to push yourself every day, not take any, you know, unnecessary rest days, quote unquote, um, and train like it's, you know, your last season that you could be playing. Um, Cause I've been there before I've, I played a game thinking it was my last game I'll ever play. Um, and I want to get to the point where I go into this season building off that momentum I had from last year, not taking steps backwards just because I had a good year the year before. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great mindset to go in because I think a lot of players can get into that, for lack of a better term, that maybe ego kind of cocky personality. Oh, I hit 330 bombs this year. I don't have to do as much work because I have natural talent. Now, Mm -hmm. On the defensive side of things, because we've mentioned all of your great offensive stats from this past year, we saw you play pretty much first and third base this year, corner infield. I know you. your answer to this is, I'll play anywhere as long as I'm playing baseball. But between first and third, what's your, I don't want to say better position, but maybe what's your preferred position? Or what if you worked on at both of those positions to strengthen your case to be a corner infielder? Yeah, so if you asked me this question before last season started, I would say I definitely want to play third um, because I'd never really played a full season at first base. Um, but after this year, I really not only enjoyed success at first base, but I really 
enjoyed playing there. I got really comfortable there. Um, I liked it. Um, obviously, I want to make myself available to also play third. So I'm going to be training at both positions. Um, but for me, I really felt comfortable at first base. Um, I really like the, the way the game is for me over there. Uh, meaning like, so for me, I really enjoy having my other infielders throw the ball to me and like be comfortable doing that because it's such an underrated position in my opinion. You know, when I used to play third base, I knew when I had a certain first baseman over there, maybe my throws had to be a little better that day or this. And then that puts a little added pressure on the infielders when they got to make a throw. I want to make sure every infielder that I play with feels like they can close their eyes and just throw the ball over there. And they know I'm going to make a play for them. Um, so for me, it's just building off what I did last year defensively and just trying to honestly just get better. You know, you can get, you can get better at any position, no matter if you're in the big leagues as a gold glover, you can still get better or still get better. So that's kind of the mentality that I'm having towards both spots. So I'm available to play both spots, but more importantly, first base to make sure that I can really like turn that into my craft. Yeah, absolutely. And with working at first base, kind of looking at bigger picture here, Angel fans this season witnessed Jared Walsh at first base and a spectacular plays, picks. And I think the most incredible thing that we saw was the amount of stretching and splits that he could do. So with you training at first base, have you worked on your yoga? Are you stretched out? Can you make those, you know, six foot grabs? Are you, are you pretty good? Are you pretty flexible in that sense? Yeah, no. So I actually implemented a lot of yoga last off season and that, you know, for the, when I was doing it, I was like, oh, well, maybe this might help me a little bit, you know, whatever. It turned out to help a whole lot. Um, Cause you're right. Like you watch Walsh do it at the big leagues. I mean, that dude is stretching all over the place. So he's making plays for the team, making his infielders comfortable. Um, and that's what you got to do. You got to be, you have to be flexible. You got to be limber over there and you're going to have to make some plays that look pretty uncomfortable, but it's part of the job. Got to do it. You got to get down and dirty. You got to make those plays at first, but you know, it's good as we get into, you know, more full blown off season. Now, you know, last night Braves defeat the Astros world series is over. Now today is officially day one of true off season. We already saw a trade with the Cincinnati Reds and the Detroit Tigers. So it is the off season and they get kind of get your blood pumping to see what's next moving forward. So we know 2022 is going to be a, a good year for you. And as we, you know, as I said, what's the best ability availability. So we keep, you know, we hope health is on your side and we continue, you know, cheering you on. But before we let you go today, we got to end it with some personality, with some fun, with some rapid fire questions, you know, got to, got to get right. the fans, got to give the fans what they want. So I got five questions for you, answer them however okay. you want. So let's see what we got. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Perfect. First one, who is your favorite athlete outside of the game of baseball? Uh, it's gotta be Michael Jordan. Obviously the, the, the talent, duh, but just that dude's mentality towards not even just basketball, but life is just incredible. Like if I could be 1% of what Michael Jordan has mentally, I'd be happy. So I, I, I got to say MJ. MJ. MJ 23. All right. Um, what is your dream car? Dream car would, oh man, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to cars. Um, probably just a, just a truck, some sort of truck, whether it be a Chevy Silverado or a Sierra, something, something simple for me. Nice. Perfect. Alrighty. Is there a show 
you know, Netflix, Hulu, and any of the streaming sites or just anywhere on TV that you're currently binging right now? And if so, why? Uh, right now, me and the fiance have been been pretty hooked on Ted Lasso. Okay. Um, her her parents turned us on to it, and she's she's a soccer player, so she already is into it. But I'm a big Jason Sudeikis fan, and I love it. It's awesome. Perfect. All right. So you've been in California for just a you know a little bit of time this year. So far, what is your favorite thing about California? The weather. The weather for sure. For me, I, I'm I'm a Midwest guy. Um, so the off seasons are a little brutal, you know, you're indoors a lot, you're, you're cold constantly. Um, so for me right now, I'm looking outside, there's not a cloud in the sky, it's sunny and I, I couldn't be happier. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Coming from the Midwest, I've been a SoCal kid my whole life. So this is pretty much, you know, second nature to me. So this is a, per that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. All yeah. right. Last one here, or maybe second to last one, because I think I just thought of another one as, as we went along there with, go the, for it. with the Midwestern questions. But we'll go with this one first. I call them the island questions. So it's a three-in-one type thing. So if you're stranded on an island for the rest of your life, what is one food or meal that you're taking with you? I am taking, oh, man, that is a tough one because I'm a, I'm a big food guy, obviously. Um, and I got to say, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with probably Thai food. I've been really, really high on Thai food lately. Um, my fiance, she's Filipino. So she's very big into all the, uh, the Asian cuisine. Mm. Um, so for me, I've just been loving Thai food lately. So if, if you ask me right now, that, that's what I'm going with. All right. Thai food's coming on the island now. Pairing with the Thai food, what movie are you bringing on the island? Hmm, I'm gonna bring Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas is probably my favorite movie of all time. I don't think I don't think you can top it. You you can't go wrong with the classic. You can't go wrong with the no. classic. Yeah. And then last but not least, if you had to bring one person with you, dead or alive, who's coming with you on the island for great conversations and just to be there with you? Hmm. Who's coming with me on the island? I'm going to bring, I got to be funny. Um, you know what? I would honestly, this is a, probably a lot of guys are going to would say this, but I'd say Joe Rogan. I listen to his podcast all the time. He's hilarious. And I feel like that dude knows pretty much everything. So I can just pick his brain and he seems like a man's man. So he could probably help us survive too. Absolutely. It's weird, you know, for us being, you know, nearly the same age, when I hear Joe Rogan, I think of back in the days of Fear Factor. Fear Factor, yep. <laughs> I would ask so many questions to Joe Rogan about the Fear Factor experience. I don't oh, know yeah. why. That's the first thing that comes to my mind <laughs> nowadays. Right. All righty. And the last question that I just thought of when we were talking about the California weather, at, from being Missouri near the St. Louis area, um, what is bigger to folks in the Midwest? Is it St. Louis Cardinals? or St. Louis Blues hockey? Because I know those are two big sports out there in the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be the Cardinals. I mean, the Blues are – they're awesome. I'm actually going to a game tomorrow in San Jose. Um, the Blues play the Sharks. Uh, but it's got to be the Cardinals. I mean, it's – you don't go into any house in the St. Louis area and not find Cardinals fans. Um, everybody loves them, whether they're good or bad. 
Um, and just the experience of going down to the ballpark, down at Ballpark Village down there. It's just everybody loves it. So I got to go with the Cardinals. Cardinals. And then I'm pretty sure growing up, you were a Cardinals fan. Yes. In, in that sense, who who was your player? Who was, you know, who was your favorite player growing up wearing that Cardinals uniform? Well, un, un, until he broke everyone's heart in St. Louis, it was, it was Bulls. Albert Bulls was the man. Um, and then before that, it was when I was a little kid, Mark McGuire going to the games and just hearing those fireworks go off every time you hit a home run. Oh, perfect, man. Yeah. St. Louis, I've been there once, uh, you know, in ballpark village and, and going down in, in, you know, Bush stadium. It's such a, it's such a great place to be such the vibe out there. Yeah. Um, not, I don't know if you can beat it, you know, okay. Maybe, maybe the Atlanta Braves can give it for a money right now with winning the world right. series last yeah. night. They, but def- they definitely can right now. They can, but no, St. Louis is a, is a good pick for you, but now, here in the Angels organization, so great talking to you, Braxton. You know, the offensive numbers from 2021, your projections, kind of your mindset going into your entire, you know, minor league and independent career. So thanks for coming on to the Halo 7 podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. Please do not be a stranger to the show. Whenever you want to come back and talk baseball, whatever new big things are happening in the career, please let us know and we'll have you on. And, uh, you know, it'll be a fun time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, anytime, I'll, I'll always be down to talk. Perfect. Thanks, Braxton. And we'll see you next time here on the Halo 7 podcast. Awesome, man. Thank you.